are in, surprise, surprise, Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. We are plugging away at verse 20. Please follow in the reading of the Holy Word of God. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, we come this morning to see your definition of thanksgiving. Lord, we have been looking at this and we understand how easy is this for us to fall away from this. And yet, Father, I think about it. You've made it clear to me, thanksgiving is not our nature. And yet we are commanded here to give thanks. And that is our relationship, a right relationship with you. Help us as your children to obey as children are to obey their parents in the Lord we should obey you also in the Lord thank you Father in Christ's name Amen we're looking at the section of being spirit filled it's kind of an impressive section and the more I spend time in it the more I realize I'm not getting it done but it is a massive thing and it has to do with the Christian life it has been uh, corrupted in many. But when I looked at the command that we've seen there in verse 18, and it is done in a contrast, and I could give it to you a simple way. It says, be spirit-filled. And I shared with you what that word means. It means it has to do with uh, the way the wind, the breeze will fill the sails of a ship and drive it along. It has to do with the yielding of us to the Spirit of the living God so that what He wants is an amen and an amen from our side. Okay? I'll make it as simple as this. When you are drunk in wine, on wine, what are you following? The booze. The booze leads me. It takes down my inhibitions. It makes me act foolish and not feel like I'm foolish. Okay? But be filled with the Spirit. Who's in control? Who's in control of the drunk? The wine is. Who's in control of the Spirit-filled believer? The Spirit is. So that's it. And then I moved into verses 19 to 21, and you see the consequences. So... If you see somebody who's drunk on wine, you can kind of tell, huh? <laughs> Look, I think they're drunk on wine. Or something, right? You can tell. Well, if you're spirit-filled, guess what? You can tell. First thing that happens is that you have joy in your heart. Okay, you are so overwhelmed with joy that you just want to sing or make melody. Or, if you're really, really a spiritual giant, play your kazoo. Okay? These are things that I want us to think about because this is a command. Be spirit-filled. 
Okay, in the church today, some churches today, this has been corrupted in such a way that uh, I can act like I'm drunk on wine and see what the spirit is doing. Okay, I know that some of the more liturgical churches are afraid of spirit filled because they don't want you to look like you're drunk on wine. <laughs> okay, but but it's. It's it's an awesome thing, and I, I would give anything if everybody would get a hold of this and start realizing the power that exists to every child of God. I mean, Paul took off, going to go out and arrest Christians, headed off to Damascus. What was he like the next time they seen him? Yeah, you could say completely different. Okay. Peter denied Christ three times. Third time, Christ looked across the parking lot at him. It's actually a plaza. Okay. Looked across the plaza at him and made eye contact when Peter said, I never knew this man. Try to carry that burden for a day or so. Okay. Forty days later, what did he do? You men of Jerusalem who murdered Messiah. Okay, Jesus is gone. Where did that bravery come from? Holy Spirit. If you look at Stephen, when the first quote-unquote deacon, he was a man who was spirit-filled. Barnabas, whose name means encouragement, son of encouragement. They said of him he was Spirit-filled. He was so spirit-filled, he sold some land and gave all the money to the church. Okay, not a tithe. All of it to the church. That's a spirit-filled individual. And you see that of all of the great leaders that you see mentioned in the New Testament, they all have one thing in common. They're spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. John on the island of Patmos. Filled with the Spirit. Got to see the end of the age. Okay? That in us generates joy and a peace that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We've had three chapters of theology of what every Christian's position is. Okay? In light of that, the Apostle Paul says, act like it. This is who you are in Christ. Let the world see it. Now understand, the world's reaction is not what you have been told. I remember when I came to salvation, there was a peace I had, and I was like, man, this is totally awesome. And so uh, I had moved for my own safety, and uh, I came out here, and I decided, you know, this, uh, I knew trades, I'll start building. And, uh, you know, I had my own company, actually a couple of companies, and I was doing really good. And within uh, about a month of my baptism, Economy went south, and I lost everything. And I said, 
Boy, this Jesus thing just ain't exactly how I thought it would be. Doesn't the world know that I'm a child of the king? They're not treating me that way. Gee whiz. Okay. And the lesson began. And as I have grown, I look at it from now and I say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I have complained many times, and I think I've even mentioned it here. Hey, man, why didn't you do this when I was like, what does everybody get saved? Eight or 13, something like that. Uh, no way. Okay. And he's reminded me, he says, you know, Israel is a stiff-necked people. Go look in a mirror. No. <laughs> he says, you're just a slow learner. And I said, yeah, I know. So, but you see what I'm trying to get at? If we understand who we are positionally, and if you don't, go back and read the first three chapters. And do me, do yourself a favor. Read them out loud so your ears hear what you're saying. And if you go back, pull away from it and go, I don't know what that means. You have the author indwelling you. Say, yo, dude, you wrote this. Explain yourself. Okay? Because the tragedy that exists in the church today is the church looks like the world. The way we, quote unquote, uh, do social studies to see what the world needs. You ever thought about how silly that is? I'm going to go ask a bunch of lost people what they want from church. Does that work out? I mean, I was told that they were blind, naked, and depraved. So let's ask them what they want. Instead of saying we're spirit-filled, we have a song in our heart. We make melody. And you can't steal the joy of our salvation. You cannot steal the thrill of eternity with Jesus Christ. You can't touch that. And death no longer has a sting to me. I look at it as my final reward. I'm done. Okay? And you just, you know, well, you can just say that because, uh-uh. That ain't why I say it. I've been close to death a whole bunch of different times. Some of them self-inflicted. You come away from it going, that was close. Well, that's how I dealt with it anyway. You know, now, come on, baby. <laughs> Let's do that one cartoon. Exit stage left. We were talking about Enoch this morning. He was, then he wasn't. I'm in. These are things that I want us to think about because, see, if a person knows his position in Christ, then the worthy walk is second nature. I mean, I don't have to have somebody explain it to me. It's like, well, yeah, okay. That's what we've been looking at because of this joy, these consequences. That joy in the individual will break down into understanding your thankfulness to God. You will be thankful. And I'm going to, I started on this last week. And there's questions that I go through my head. 
How do you give thanks? Okay? Because you know what? I've seen a lot of people said, you know what? I ain't doing that again. They didn't even thank me. They never acknowledged me. They didn't send me a card. They didn't even return my text. Okay? Is that how you give thanks or expect thanks? How about this one? When do you give thanks? These are questions that goes through my little pea brain when I'm digesting a text like this. And I've already looked at it. We give thanks always. And I shared with you in depth last week that I give thanks after the blessing. That's a good thing. And I, and I gave you Pharaoh's army getting drowned and a few other places that you're like, yeah, thanks, man. That's pretty cool. Okay. This morning I, I woke up, I don't know what time it was, and uh, I thought I had slept in because I got up and I walked into the kitchen and I got this window by the front door and I looked outside and it's bright. And I was like, oh my God, this sun's coming up. Then I realized it's just the moon. And I just stood there for a second and I seen something move. And there's these three deer walking around on our front little riser place. And they're just walking around. I'm sitting there going, wow, you know, you're cool. <laughs> Wake me up so I can see the deer. I'm going to go yell at the <laughs> So You guys think I did that, don't you? <laughs> You'd be right. But anyway... <laughs> But it's just, it's stuff like that that I sit and I look at and I go, oh man, do you know how cool this is? Okay. After the blessing, it's easy. Sometimes we have to give thanks before. We know we have a combat, a, a battle, a trial, a tribulation, and we see it coming. Those storm clouds on the horizon. Or you see the light at the tunnel and you remember it's a train and you're looking at it and you have to look at it and say, thank you, Lord. Now, as it gets a little tougher, it's easy to give thanks when after the blessing. But when you see the storm coming, you see the battle coming and you're going to say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what I'm about to go through. That's a little harder. But the hardest one probably is during when you're eyeball deep in that sucker. I got this hit with me uh, on Monday. See the phone call? I hate cell phones. I remember, I love it now when you used to have a pager and a roll of quarters. Do you know how long it'd take me to find a pay phone? <laughs> anyway, I answered the phone and uh, my aunt's husband died. Uh, he'd gone into uh, the hospital on Saturday. He had been diagnosed about two and a half, three months ago with onset of dementia. He was a type 1 diabetic who had absolutely no control. And he'd gone in uh, with a possible blood uh, infection, and he died on Monday. Poof, just like that. And, uh, of course, he had gone into, he can't go in and see him, so. But then... Truth started appearing. He basically left my aunt with nothing. Well, I can't say that. About 90000 in debt. He had sold the house about four months ago to my cousin because he was about $82,000 in debt. 
he sold the house, paid off his debt, and they had about ten grand left. Now, my aunt had uh, two life insurance policies, a burial insurance policy, a couple of CDs. All right, so when they started checking, all of the insurance policies had been cashed. Okay, the CDs have been cashed. And there's nothing, and there's no paper trail. Even the ten grand that was left over after paying off the house, nobody knows where it's at. He's got an old beat-up Chevy truck. I'm not picking on Chevy. It's just an old beat-up Chevy truck. And uh, nobody knows where the title is. And, of course, the one daughter who's been estranged for as long as I've known him said, that's mine. So they'll have to fight for that. And I was like, that's one of those you do. You really want to win? Okay. So I talked to my aunt on Tuesday. She says, you don't understand. That was my husband. You're supposed to trust your husband. So I prayed with uh, her and her daughter, my cousin. And after I got done praying, of course, they're crying. They've been crying, bro. But they're still crying. They were crying. And Dolly said, you know, we all grew up together. And we did. All the cousins and aunts and uncles, we were probably, I think the farthest one was about 25 miles away. She said, out of all of us, and we grew up together, she said, I never thought I'd have you praying for us. <laughs> I was like, eh, me either. <laughs> okay. But see, I'm still in that one. Now, how do I stop and say, thank you, Lord? Okay? I'll let you know when I get there, okay? Because she'll tell you, if she's, she'll come here. She'll probably, she's been here before, my aunt. She says, I'm his favorite. Because I said, da, first. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. But I, see, this is stuff that you and I have to look at. Can I give thanks right in the middle of this? I remember when I went up to Columbine the day of the shooting. That was a tough time. I was sitting in the library that day, shuffling coffee around, talking to people and praying in different times and all the rest of it. The bus would show up with a bunch of kids and they'd come in, pick up their parents, they all go out, tears and all the rest of it. You're just like, wow, man. I mean, total elation, like you can't even describe. Then the sheriff came. The sun was just going down. No bus, just a cop. He came in, he looked at me and he says, there ain't any more. I looked over and there's a pretty good crowd of people standing over there. I was like, uh-oh. What do you say? Okay. You pray it. Father, you're glorified here. I don't know how right now, but you are. Okay. That is the hard one. Okay. When I'm eyeball deep in the thing and I'm not winning. I don't see me winning here. This doesn't seem to be winning. I'm not liking this. So there is after the blessing. It's easy. Before the blessing, a little harder. 
enduring the blessing. There are very few who even know that one. Giving thanks is not a matter of being thankful. It's a matter of obedience. Okay? He doesn't ask you to be thankful because he's explained it all to you. He asks you to be obedient because that's what he's asked you to do. We don't always have to feel thankful. Do you understand that, what I just said? Because most of the time, when we give thanks, it's because I feel thankful. They did something for me. and Oh, thank you so much. You touched my heart. Try that one when you're in the battle. See what I mean? If you are in the tribulation, it is hard to feel thankful. But we are to be thankful. It is a matter of thanksgiving. Okay. Now, I've shared with you the first three chapters is theology. And that theology is usually deeper than most pastors' understanding. So go read it. You'll be a pastor or theologian. But you, when you read that, you will understand that my life, my circumstances, my destiny is in God's sovereign hand. And I don't care how big it is. I don't care how little it is. There is no accident in your life. Okay? Everything happens is working to to the purpose of conforming me and you into the image of Jesus Christ. Everything. Even when you ever get that check engine light comes on? Who thought that up? I used to run them, then you get steam and stuff coming out of the hood. I should probably see what's up, huh? But no, they got a light. And then, we just didn't put your gas cap on tight. And check engine? If I'm being conformed into the image of Christ, and it doesn't matter how big the problem, how small the problem, how big the blessing, or how small the blessing... How do you suppose that will affect your attitude? When do you give thanks? Always. For what? All things. Everything. Blessing. Trials and tribulations. You ever notice how sparse we are in Thanksgiving when it comes to blessings? Sometimes we think, you know, I did that and look, it worked out pretty good, huh? Really? Why don't you thank God? We know the text. We usually share this with somebody that we know who's going through heartache. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Okay? Knowing that the testing of your faith. Okay, so what are trials for? Testing your faith. You know, it's, I look at Book of Job probably different than a lot of people. 
I look at that thing and I see Satan come up, bad mouthing people of faith. Yeah, they'll turn their back on you and all the rest of it. And God in his infinite wisdom says, Hey, Satan, let me prove to you what saving faith looks like. Consider my servant Job. All right? I'm about to teach you a lesson, stupid. And I'm going to use my servant Job to do it. Now, if I was Job, I'd have said, Use Charlie. I'm good. You said I'm the righteous man in the East. Good. But we count it all joy because it is the testing of my faith. Do I believe with absolute confidence this book? The whole book. Because if you do, you can count it all joy. Because you know what? When my faith is tested, it produces endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. And let that endurance have its perfect result, maturing, so that you will be, think about that for a second, perfect. Perfect and complete, and you will lack nothing. But the first thing I have to do is that when I'm in the trial, say, right on. Okay? So I'll give you a little footnote here because I know some of you are going to go, what? You Listen, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that's still contextual. You know what that means? When you are in that battle and you're like right here and you say, you know, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to. I'm praying my brains out. I'm reading. I'm encouraging. I'm speaking words of God to my brothers and my sisters. I'm doing all of these things and we are getting our lunch handed to us. Trust me, as a pastor, you get to do that on a semi-regular basis. Okay? But I've also learned verse 5. If I lack wisdom... Still in the context. I'm having my faith tested so I'll be complete and mature. But I don't see how this is working. Can you help me out here? And if I lack wisdom, does it say knowledge? A whole bunch of you in this room got knowledge. But until that knowledge works, it's not wisdom. Okay? Let him ask of God who gives it to all generously. You know what? It was Wednesday. The shooting was on Monday. It was Wednesday when God showed me the glory of Columbine. He showed it to me. I'd like to wear out my knees. I was meeting with Dave Thomas, who's the uh, district attorney for Jefferson County. And he's meeting with all of the morning TV people. And I was out there trying to encourage the poor guy. I thought, man, you got your hands full here, Slick. And so I walk up to him, got a cup of coffee. I said, you want some of this? He says, is it really strong? I said, yeah, it's really strong. How do you, I haven't tasted it. Drink it. 
Okay. And it was cold and snowy. If you guys remember that time, that wet spring snow, and you just sit there going, he made crickets. So I started, he had this big old stinking huge stack of manila folders. Okay. Just big old sucker. He had it stuck up under here like that. I said, uh, what the heck is all that? He said, this is what Jefferson County does with students and police officials, uh, the security of schools and how we interact with the students and how much money we spend. And he says, you know, I've been going through this. He says, we spend more per capita in any district in the, school, in, the, in the state, and we've got this working relationship with our sheriff's department. We've got this going on. We've got this going on. How can something like this happen? Man at his best, what do you get? Columbine. And God says, why would you forsake me? And why would you fear these kids more than me? Now, I haven't got the one with my aunt yet. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. That is the way God perfects us. Our faith allows us to be thankful. See, in the Bible, there is a long list of things. I was going to give you a list of the things that the Bible wants you to be thankful for. And I realized that we would be here till Wednesday. Okay. So it's easier to use what Paul uses and says, just be thankful for everything. It's a little hard for us at times. Okay. And when I look at it literally, you know what it means? Everything. Absolutely everything. There are categories, there are lists throughout scriptures. But what I've come to concluded was there's no limit. The fullness of all things God has done for us. If you think about it, this is what the ladies ought to do next. The attributes of God. Because that one there, man, I still can roll back and meditate on that. And I get my brain goes and twitches and says, don't think about it. Move on. Okay. But that's, that's what you guys ought to do next time. The attributes of God. Because that one there makes you. Well, it does. He's eternal. Right. He's not bound by time. So what the heck is time for? He created time, yet he's not bound by it. Let it roll around for a minute, see what's going on. And then he comes up with this tremendous statement, but God is patient. Well, wait a minute. How can you be patient if you're not bound by time? How are you patient? Because patient is locked to Time. That's what I remember about the attributes of God. And you're sitting there going, oh, no. And the author didn't either. And that really felt bad. His attributes is all that he has and is doing. Okay? So, if I'm supposed to be thankful for all things, that means we are to be thankful 
for all men. Got it? You know which ones that would be? That would be Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, the president. I am thankful. But that's what it means. I remember studying that we had to pray for those in authority over me. I had two politicians that I had just, uh, uh, I just did not like them. Did not like them. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm supposed to pray for these two. I'm going to start with these two first. Okay. I prayed for them and I bet it wasn't two weeks later. They both died. I was like, okay, Lord, wait a minute. (laughs) Hang on here a minute. This is you. I don't know. Be thankful for all men. How about thankful for all things? Right? I am thankful my little white pickup has groanings only the Spirit can discern. Thank you, Lord. And I have an oil pressure gauge that looks like a tachometer. Thank you, Lord. I hope this thing gets me to wherever I'm going and gets me back after I get there. Okay? I'm thankful for all things. Some of you be thankful for your spouses. I know one, it's easy. We're thankful for our kids. All the mothers are. I don't know what disease you've got, but all mothers are thankful for their kids. And there's times you're like, that cannot be mine. All things. How about this one? I am thankful always for Christ. Do you realize how easy that one just slips over here and you're dealing with all of this and you forget what he did? I am thankful for salvation because no matter what happens in this life, I have life eternal. I am thankful for the Holy Spirit even when he's annoying. I know he's not annoying to you guys, but occasionally with me, he's like, no, you know better than that. Are you thankful for everything you have? Be careful before you answer. Okay. Because if you are, then ask yourself, how content are you? Because if you're not content, then guess what? Just an idea. Are you thankful for everything in the midst of difficulty as well as prosperity? Always. See, let me give you a key to this. Okay. Because I think if any one of you says, oh, yes, absolutely, don't get under a thundercloud. All right, because it's a battle. I mean, when you're hurting, it's hard to say, well, gee, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Let me uh, 
give you a key. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, the first thing you need to walk worthy is what? First thing, first thing on the list. Humility. Now, I didn't know if you know this or not. That is not of our nature. That is the first part of a worthy walk is humility. So what would be the first part of a thankful heart? Humility. A humble person knows without a doubt that he doesn't deserve anything. So, the smallest thing for him is a cause for thanksgiving. I remember I preached a text to some Russians in uh, out of Revelation. And this babuska comes up to me. Grandmother comes up to me. She's crying. And to the interpreter, she says, I've always struggled with that text. And God sent an American to explain that text to me. And then she grabs your hands, starts kissing him and, and, and all this. And you're like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's cool. It's, it, the reason I taught that is I'm tired and I know this text. So that's, it wasn't some big spiritual thing. So she says, <laughs> so she leaves. I'm talking to some other people. She comes back. She's got a little plastic bag, clear plastic bag full of eggs from her chickens. She says, I have nothing more to give you. She hands them to me. And of course, me and my great culture and my great compassion said, how am I going to get this through customs? I didn't. A lady that was kind of taking care of me gave me these ravioli things that were really awesome. Lady, this was in Znivka, 100% unemployment. A lady had a little pension thing that she'd give. She gave me that. You know, right now, to this day, I think that is the greatest gift that has ever been given me. Because that lady was like the widow's might. She gave out of her poverty. All right? And all I did was give her something dear to my heart out of the book of Revelation. A humble person doesn't deserve anything. So the smallest thing is cause for thanksgiving. If you have a problem with being thankful, okay, after the blessing, you're not so thankful. Before the trial, you're not thankful. During the tribulation, you're not thankful. Do you understand that that is a symptom? Okay. The problem is pride. The cure is humility. God, I can't be thankful because... I don't think I'm getting what I desire. That's humility. It's a prideful person. This is what I desire. Why aren't you giving it to me? But if you know you deserve nothing, absolutely nothing. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? You do not deserve a job. You do not deserve clothes. You do not deserve food. You do not deserve a house. You do not deserve anything. But by the graciousness of the Lord God Almighty, 
he has provided. And yet, are we thankful? Are we thankful? We should be thankful for this. If you know you deserve nothing, if you can look at yourself and say, I am a blind, naked, depraved sinner. Nothing is really deserved. Then for anything that there is, there will be gratitude. You know, if you've been blessed with a lot, great. Are you thankful? You know, I remember young in my walk, it was... Um, I grew up in a marine house. And if you've never grown up in one of those, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay? Uh, and my dad was hardcore. We're talking Pacific, uh, China, Vietnam, Korea. So, you know, that's gun-ho, rah-rah, all the rest of it. That was the reason I knew for sure I ain't doing that. But... uh I grew up in that. And the only thing that I I know for a fact was foundational to me is that I was proud to be an American. Look at this country. You know what? God broke me of that. He says, that that pride thing, bad juju. He says, try this one. Be thankful that you're an American. If I really understand what I deserve, then I have absolutely no room for pride. If you've got an education, where'd you get that? Then my next question would be, did you spend too much money for it? No, anyway. (laughs) Okay. If you have a talent and an ability, where'd you get that? It's like John MacArthur's quote. You're unique in the church. But who gave it to you? Who put you there? What did you have to do with it? See, pride is a problem. A thankful person is a humble person. Humility is part of being filled with the Spirit. That means, as I showed you in chapter 4, verse 2, humility is part of the step one of what? Walking worthy. And you're only filled when you deny yourself, when you die to self, when you crucify self, when you set self aside. You will respond to his spirit. Most people cannot respond to the spirit of the living God because they are in the way. It is an act of humility. That makes you spirit filled. Because you're like... I got nothing. I bring nothing. I have no advantage to you, God. I got nothing. Then you're ready. But too many of us will bring a little side of me. You know, I'm pretty good at this. You know, maybe you ought to try to use me for this. You know what is amazing to me? Let me tell you something about your pastor. One thing that I grew up with that I just absolutely hated. I just don't like to do it. You know what it is? Read. I mean, I don't. I don't want to read. 
I mean, I'd get instructions, and if it didn't have pictures, it was useless. I want to read. You know what else I don't like? I don't like speaking in front of people. So I don't like to read, and I don't like speaking in front of people. Because whether you like know it or not, I'm more of an introvert than I am anything. And you're, how can you don't act like it? Well, look what I'm doing. Now then, how is it that I have to read all that I read and then speak in front of a bunch of people? Because you know why? I can't do it. My hands are sweating now. And they have been doing it for 26 years. I've had to speak in front of some large crowds. I mean, large, several thousand. And the whole time I'm getting ready, I got water running down the middle of my chest and down my back. And I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I walk up there and you just say, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I turn around and look and they've got the lights set up so I can see the first two rows. And that's it. And I was like, yeah, that's like my church. I spoke in the First Baptist Church of Moscow, and this thing's got, and they're behind you, and I'm, they're all around you, and they've got levels, and you're sitting, I walk into this church going, oh, I'm going to die. And God said, no, you're all right, stupid. We're on loving terms. And he only lit it up so I could only see these in front of me. And I was like, oh, you rock. You rock. It is humility, an act of humility that causes it to thanksgiving. And that comes with the filling of the Spirit of the living God. Listen, it all comes back to the first sin. We all know what the first sin is. No, it wasn't Adam. It was Satan saying, I will, I will. I will. He don't deserve this. That's the first sin. Pride. Pride. I will. Now, Satan, he's really generous. He shared that. Eve, if you eat that thing over, what will you be? You will know as God knows. What is that? Pride. I call it the false trinity. Me, myself, and I. Pride is the key to all sin. I don't care if it's sin of stealing. I don't care if it's sin of murder. The sin of adultery or drunkenness. It is all based on me. That's pride. You need to experience humility And that is step one of being a spirit-filled Christian. As we crucify self, as we deny self, humility, and only then will become a reality. The problem with us today is not being spirit-filled, is because we are not humble, because we are in the way. We are in the way. I get convicted of it. I get convicted of it all the time. I was looking the other day. It's tax time. Anybody dealing with taxes? I get mine already in final extension. It always works for me. You start looking at it, and I'm starting to say, okay, I've been in the job for 26 years, and this is how much I made. 
You know what comes right next into my head? You made way more than this dealing dope. Thanks, Lord. Oh, you didn't say that, did you? But it's hard to look and say, okay, I've been at a job. You know what he says to me next? Have I taken care of you? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm belly aching. You know how I hate numbers. <laughs> Why don't you do my taxes for me? See what I, these are things, don't think that I'm immune to this. I know what it is. And why do I think I should get more? The same reason you think you should get more. Because it's moi. Okay? And you can't do that. That is not crucifying self. How much does a crucified man get? Sunburn. We need to experience humility. You'll never walk worthy. You'll never be spirit-filled. If you are humble, you will be thankful in all things. Because no matter what you get, it's like, yeah. I remember I used to use a... uh, Something I don't remember what it, it was. An illustration of a fifty caliber black powder rifle, and you know, you know, Lord, I need a fifty caliber. If I had this, and it's some kind of illustration, I don't even remember the illustration anymore. So we had a party out at the house, and everybody came out. And this guy, kid, was in the. In the I had done his wedding and all the rest of it. And he comes out. He says, "I want to talk to you." And I said, "Yeah, what?" He says, "You know, I love your preaching. I love this, Lord. I, said, I want to show you something." He opens up the trunk and gives me a fifty caliber black powder rifle. <laughs> And all I've done to do with it is shoot wads over across the fence. I've never hunted with it, but it's fun if you pack it full and go boom, and there's no bullet in it. It goes out, and you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and you load it up again. And, and you're sitting there going, so I've got this real loud noisemaker. The kid gave it to me. It was kind of, that was awesome. Okay. Be thankful for all things. Always. And then you're going to come. It's going through your head. If not, as soon as you leave, it'll wander through. Boy, you just don't understand who I'm stuck with. Boy, you... How do I go get a godly spouse? Boy, I just... You don't understand the job I've got. Oh, you don't understand my family. If you knew my family, you would understand why you... You know, my problem is just people just don't understand me. If they understood me, it'd all be better. Listen, that is the height of pride. What makes you think you can be that prideful and have a God-fearing wife? Or vice versa. How in the world can you be in a job that God is meeting your physical needs and you complain about it? Why aren't you saying, thanks, man. Maybe you have that spouse relationship that God is saying, count it all joy when you're in various trials because I'm perfecting you with that one. And all, it's funny, all, don't, don't poke him, don't look at him, don't, don't do nothing. It's cute. 
<laughs> don't, don't move. I see Christians, they take the name and they're bitter and they're grouchy. And you know why? Their view of life is them. They're living in the false trinity. They think they deserve better. My life isn't perfect. Here's the one. This is the one that was around in the 90s, the mid-90s. You ever? I remember this one. I used to get browbeaten by this thing and, and, until they would come to me and they would do it and then I would have to show them something. You don't understand. I'm from a dysfunctional family. The thing's just a mess. And I smile at him. I said, wow. Jesus was from a dysfunctional family. His dad was God. His mother was a sinner. That's pretty dysfunctional. But I'm thankful. I mean, <laughs> what's functional? What is that? And if you listen to it described, it's all about me. (laughs) Why am I not treated the way I should be? It's all pride. It all keeps you from being spirit-filled. It keeps you from being thankful. And you don't even have to think about how to spell worthy walk. And you're ashamed to my Lord. As long as you are proud, you will never be thankful. If you're never thankful, you're never spirit-filled. need to break the back of pride. I remember I was talking to a pastor one time. We was at a big conference down in Glorieta, New Mexico. I just got done talking with Dr. MacArthur. What a, I mean, just... Anyway, had a great time. Then the head of the Baptist... The Grand Poobah, the Baptist, he's there. And I say, hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? I don't have time. You know, I'm a busy man. I have the whole Baptist thing. You know, just later, write me a letter or something. And he walks off, and I was like, geez, sorry. Well, he gets up to preach. He made this joke about he had forgot to bring a dress shirt with him, so somebody let him a dress shirt. And... So he gets to preach, and he steps out behind the pulpit like this, and the tail of that shirt's sticking out of his zipper. Okay, and I was like, should have talked to the young guy. Because <laughs> what I've learned is a lot of times, if you think highly of yourself, God will show you. And he did it to that guy. Okay? So two things we've seen tonight. One, when am I thankful? Ask yourself that. When am I thankful? What does it say? Always. Okay? For what am I thankful? Everything. Okay? Then the third question, and I'll get this next week because it's a little more complicated. How am I thankful? And I mean, I can give you just a footnote on it really quick. It says here, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to God, even the Father. Simply, quickly, 
the name of our Lord Jesus Christ um, that is consistent with who he is. See how Thanksgiving just changed? I can be thankful because of who he is. And it is also consistent with what he's done. I will tear more into this next Sunday. Because the way this is laid out in the original language freaks me out. Okay. So, we crucify our pride. Helps us to walk worthy and be spirit-filled. As the Lord has commanded. And we walk in a way that God will bring people to us because they will want to know the reason for the hope that is in us. And we are not in a thankful society, in case you didn't notice. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit and your holy book. And how... Through your spirits working in your people. Yes, Lord, it convicts us at times. But Father, it also comforts us. But Father, the one that we seem to forget is that it strengthens us. Help each of us to walk worthy. Help each of us to walk in the joy of our salvation, the power of our King, to the glory of our Lord. In Christ's name, amen.